How good is the Lord? I think if we don't stop it, we'll just keep on worshiping for hours. Well done, Nikki. You're leading so well, eh? It's like I wouldn't know what to do. Everybody, the Spirit's moving. Do we go to the Word? Do we keep on just worshiping Him? Yo. But as a, as a leadership team, we felt this word in our hearts for, for some time now. And uh, I actually prepared it for, the, for this leadership camp we had for the leaders. But um, I felt the Lord nudge that it is, it's for everyone. And it, it applies to everyone. And I love what, what we sang there, you know, here's my heart, speak what is true. It's a, it's a two-way thing. We surrender our hearts. We're saying, yeah, I'm making myself vulnerable and then asking the Lord to respond by speaking what is true. So my heart is to speak what is true from Scripture and that's quite, that's quite a bit of pressure to interpret the Scriptures right and to present them right. And if you think I don't, come and talk to me. Um, so I have the job of speaking you have the job of receiving and responding. So we both have a responsibility tonight. You're not just in, you're not on the stands, on the bleachers, watching the game. You are in the game. You, there's an engagement here. I'm, I'm speaking what we believe the Lord is saying, and you are hearing and responding to it in your heart. It's a two-way thing. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 12 it said, we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. How's that? Let me just check the time. How's that for, for a call? Live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. What, does, what would that, that life look like? And what's really being asked is, what is pleasing to the Lord, and can we live that way? And wouldn't that be a cool thing to wake up with every morning? What's pleasing to the Lord? Lord, I want to live that way. So what I want to talk about tonight is who you are is more important than what you say or more important than what you do. So if there's a problem in this body, this part of the church, and Andrew taught us this, if there's a problem in this body, go look in the mirror. Because often it's because of one of the leader's example. Something we are doing or not doing, or we're supposed to be and we're not, and that manifests amongst people. There's just a spiritual dynamic. It runs from the head to the rest of the body. That's how it, that's how it works. And we were taught we are an example in everything we do. Therefore, be a good one. So tomorrow... If you're stuck in an elevator and somebody asks you, hey, what was, did you go to church? Yeah, what did you speak about? What was spoken about? The praise of it is be an example in everything you do. Be a good one. If you forget everything else, there's that word. I heard um, a friend of mine say once, children learn in three ways. Example. Example and example. <laughs> if it's positive things, it's good, obviously. 
if you are, you know, if you if you're a good example, it's very good. But the problem is, if you're not a good example, if it's negative, that bears negative fruit, bears bad fruit, and that's the problem. So, an easy example: if the leaders here, and I think about half of you guys are about leaders here. We have about 70 leaders uh, in this congregation. If the leaders here arrive 10, me 10 minutes late to this meeting, and they didn't, I'm so glad they didn't today. But if they, if, they, if, they, if they did, then it would very quickly create a culture of, we don't start at four, we start half past four. It's more like, it's not a rule, it's a guideline, and it is a guideline. But what's a heart of honor? We want to honor the meeting, honor other people's time. You guys are doing well on it, but that's an example of, if you come in as a visitor, or, or you're not in leadership, and you're seeing, hey, these people are hanging around, still ordering coffees at a five past four, okay, I guess it's not that serious, you know, next time I'll only arrive at quarter past four because, you know, they're wasting my time, actually, I want to get to the meeting. And that's how our culture gets shaped. So the, the example you're living actually bears fruit and has consequences. Whether you're in leadership or not, you are a living example every second of the day. So if you will multiply of yourself... So if you are less hospitable, you will multiply that. If you are less devoted, that will multiply. And there's a spiritual dynamic in that it spreads. The word says a bit of yeast works through the whole batch of dough. It spreads, whatever you do, good or bad. Because yeast, yeast in bread is actually a good thing. And you are contagious all the time. You know, we're all, like, we're all COVID aware. I guess now we're not contagious anymore because nobody... COVID is still around and, you know, but we are contagious all the time. Spiritually, we're contagious. You multiply of yourself. So are you, is that good or bad? Ask yourself. The way I am, when people catch what I have, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Have you ever seen how children copy their parents? Fred, I know is, is, is in kids' church, Right? Okay. Is Lily here? Also not. Oh, also there. Sorry. Okay. Have you guys seen Fred? Okay. You know Fred. Fred, stand up, please. Okay. That's Fred, guys. Have you guys seen Hanu? Who does Hanu look like? He's a carbon copy of Fred. Have you seen Renee, his wife? What does, who does Lily look like? Down to the same amount of curls. Beautiful. But they're carbon copies. I'm not only talking about genetics, guys. I'm talking about hodum. You know? <laughs> they walk the same. I saw Hanu walk this weekend with his camo clothes on, you know? Because he's probably going to go hunting with his dad at some point. But he's owning that farm, you know? He's walking boss, funny plus, you get? It's just kids copy their parents. And Fred didn't teach him that. He watches his dad. And he does it. And you will see that with, with everybody. Whether it's good, good or bad, how often have you heard your children, you have heard your own voice in your children, you're like, ooh, am I like that? Did I say that? Or well, they correct you, yes. Look at, um, at Mervis, the way Michael Hubert, you know who Michael Hubert is? He's a worship leader in one of the morning congregations. How much he's become like Mervis, which is a good thing because he spent time with Mervis. He follows him. Look at Luke Watson. 
and the young men that started walking with him. How much their lives have changed. Like the personality changes. Not only, okay, they're you know, more devoted. Personality changes. Look at Ben, you know, your son. He's walking with Luke and Luke is he's learning stuff that you or I can't learn, can't teach him, you know, because he catches what Luke has. So we are leading by example all the time. I often have to pray, Lord, please make them better than me. Please let them go past me. And that would be my heart for anybody in this congregation on leadership. Please surpass me. Please go past. Please go ahead. Like our girls, Anya and Thea, they must please go way past where we are. They do have a head start. They, they're growing up in a, in a healthy church. Most of us didn't grow up. Okay, you guys, I love this. These ladies here. You guys are growing up. You have grown up. You've been grown up in a, in a healthy church. So we're so excited to see what God's going to be doing with people like you. We don't know what the, the world hasn't seen that. The world hasn't seen, they're starting to see now. But children getting born into healthy churches, growing up, then taking authority and living life like that. That's, we have to lead by examples, guide. So that's the intro. Too soon. That is my wife. For those of you that don't know, okay. Am I blushing? Okay. Okay, I'd like to refer to a few more scriptures and, and, and get a bit of a story out of this. So I want to look at some examples in the word, okay? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Ever heard of them? Most of you? Yes. Abraham, the father of the faith, right? Faith was accredited to him as righteousness because he believed God. God spoke to him and he went, okay, I believe you. You know, he committed to it, strong faith. People say, you know, people refer to Abraham when they talk about faith, right? A man of faith. He received his promises directly from God. God spoke to him. It's not really what I want to talk about, but I want to set the scene about how a faithful man he is and how he had reason to be because God spoke to him directly. He could stand on it, and he was promised all these amazing things. Now, I don't know if I should... Okay, I'm, just, no, I'm not going to read this through, but it would really be good if you could read this through. Genesis 12, verse 10 to 20. So, if you're taking notes and you want to work this stuff through, but I'm, I can assure you this is what it says, Okay. His name is Abraham in that time. And he, with his wife, he goes to Egypt. Sarai. He goes to Egypt. And as he goes to Egypt, he decides to deceive the Pharaoh. Now, the Pharaoh is the chief of Egypt, seen as a god. And he's scared for his life. And he decides to deceive Pharaoh about his wife Sarai. And he tells them that they're not married. Okay? So he's lying. He's just plain lying. In a sense, it's a half-truth because she's his half-sister. So that's what a very good lie is. If you really want to lie well, make it mainly truth and add in a little bit of a lie. That's what Hitler says, said. 
a real, like rat poison, I digress now. You know what rat poison is? You know what rat poison is? Rat poison is 99.9% really good rat food. Okay? Good rat food because they want to eat it. It's 0.01% poison. Arsenic or cyanide, I don't know what they put in there, but it's bad. Don't eat it, okay? But what I'm saying is it's mostly really good food, and it's a little bit of poison, and that kills rats. Same with, same with a good lie. Mainly truth. A little bit of poison, and it kills. Satan knows that trick very well. He knows it so well. That's what he did to Eve. He repeated everything God said. He said, but did God really say this? And he sowed one little seed of doubt. And Eve stumbled, and she, and Adam actually was apathetic. He went with her, and he said, okay. Okay, back to this. So he, he tells a lie like that. And he says, she's, she's, um, she's my sister. And there's something about deception, eh? And then he abandons his wife. She goes into the harem of the pharaoh. Now imagine, there's no carte blanche or, I don't know, <laughs> security cameras or there's no communication. He might never see her again. And he happily let her go. She goes into the harem and he's, at least I'm safe. You know, for self-protection, he abandoned his wife. It doesn't sound like the great man of faith, the father of our faith, you know, father of the Jews' faith. Then a plague hits Pharaoh's household because of what Pharaoh did wrong, inadvertently. And, I mean, you know, if you read it, you know, you know the story. And Pharaoh said, why didn't you tell me? You know, I'm so sorry. I was being plagued. This sucks. Take your wife. You know, you should have told me. And instead of punishing Abraham, he rewards him. Ask God's mercy. He messes up and he ends up, he walks away with riches. He gets all kinds of riches, gifts and protection. Protection from, by the Pharaoh. He gives him protection, a protection duty or whatever you call that detail, protection detail. And, uh, and gifts and riches from the Pharaoh just to, please go away, I want this plague away. How's God's mercy? Even though it's bad character, he's a liar, he's deceiving, abandons his wife. Okay? Abraham. Interesting also how the, the marriage covenant was respected in those days. He's the Pharaoh. He's basically a god in his own eyes and in the Egyptians' eyes. And he, he, he finds out that this wife, this, wife, this lady in his, in his harem is married. And he goes, <gasps> they're married. I can't touch it. Imagine if people approached marriages like that these days. Imagine that. Okay, moving on. Abraham moves away, he goes to the Negev desert, and he encounters another nation with the king Abimelech. Same thing happens. You think he would, he would learn his lesson. He lies again. Okay? Again he says, I'm not married, and he abandons his wife again. Imagine what she was like, I told you, this is not, you know, he abandons her again. And this is now, this, the second time is after God promised Abraham his legacy, his ancestry. By this time, he'd met Melchizedek along the road. Melchizedek blessed him. So he was getting all these assurances. And still, he does the same thing. 
This was even after Abraham reasoned with God about Sodom and Gomorrah. You know that story? Where he said, okay, Lord, please save them, please save them. And eventually, God pours fire down, and he sees, this, he sees God's power. He knows how powerful God is. He knows how intimate God is with him. And he saw the cities destroyed. And still, he goes and lies the same life for a second time with a different king. And he abandons his wife again. Father of our faith. Okay? He also makes, her name has now become Sarah, he also makes her become deceptive. Because in verse 5, she acknowledges, yes, he's my brother. So because of his actions, he's causing her to stumble as well. See how this escalates. How his character crack, multiplied, repeats, and starts affecting others. So I'm still an example, guys. Again, the marriage covenant is respected. Imagine, and this was what said, what Abimelech said. God, sorry, God told him in a dream. He said, you are a dead man for the woman you took is married. He didn't know it because he was, he was innocent in this case. The king gets this dream. God appears to him. You are a dead man for the woman you took is married. Imagine if, if adulterers hears that today. Huh? You look at a, another married lady with lust and God goes, you are a dead man. Because, not because of anything else, because she's married. How precious is marriage. And as a consequence, all the women in that household were struck with infertility. This must have taken a while for them to find this out. But this was a, not a quick, not a weekend, you know. Weekend at Abimelech's. No, it wasn't that. This was a season where they were struck with infertility, you know. And again, they ask Abraham to leave with his family, and he leaves with more riches and more blessings. Yeah, maybe, yeah. So, uh, so a habit is growing here. Genesis 27. Move on generation. generation. So he has a son, Isaac. I'm not, I'm not really talking about, about Abraham here. Sorry, Gen 26, verse 1 to 11. That's the next chapter, the next generation. Isaac, his son, gets the same blessings from God. He hears them. God tells him directly. He tells his father... And Isaac does the exact same thing that his father did. He lies also to another king. It's also Abimelech. It's a different Abimelech. Different generations. Same name. It might even just be part of the title. But he was also to King Abimelech, but it wasn't the same one. And he does the same thing. He deceives them, and the same thing happens. So Isaac knew God at this time. I mean, he was saved by the ram in the bush, remember? He knows how God has come through for him before. He's heard the promises. Everything that Abraham heard, he heard as well. He grew up under Abraham, talking to God. Even how he got his wife, Rebecca, the Lord spoke to him about that. So it's not like he didn't know about right and wrong. Is he didn't know like, not like he didn't know God. God was with him. And still that character, that crack from his father comes through and he does the same thing. He lies He also tells Abimelech, she's my sister. Same words. So his father was a bad example, but it doesn't mean that you, 
would always then become the product, the victim of that. It just means that he had a predisposition for that. You know, it's not necessarily a generational curse. The New Testament doesn't ever speak about generational curses. But you might have a predisposition to some things that have come through your generations. So in Gen 27, Genesis 27, Isaac's son, Jacob, what does the word Jacob mean, the name Jacob? Deceiver. See this line, third generation. Jacob, the name means deceiver. He deceives his brother Esau. Then he deceives and lies to his father. And his mom, Rebecca, was also part of the deception because she tells him what to do to deceive his father, just like Sarah was in the, in the deception. Can you see how this, how this crack runs? One lie leads to another, and it starts a series of wrongs. And the point is, in spite of all God's promises, you are my man, I'm going to build this nation through you, and he did. Their behavior, the cracks that they had, shaped the next generation. In spite of that he was God's man, God's nation, his behavior still impacted. So if you have a big blessing, big gifting, big anointing, your character is still what counts, what draws through. So in that sense, be a good example. The good news is that also the good things get drawn through. In Genesis 14 verse 20, Abraham meets Melchizedek and he tithes to him. And it wasn't a law then, it was before Moses. He tithed, he, he, under the Spirit, he felt, I have to give you a tenth of everything I have. That's why we still tithe today. It's not a, not a Jewish law. Not only a Jewish law. And then, three generations on, in Genesis 28, you see that Jacob tithes to God. Jacob tithes to God. So, the good example, the good character parts is also drawn through. So let's, let's focus on that, shall we? Focus on positive stuff. I want to go through a few scriptures where God is like, like nailing this thing down. He's like really embedding this. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. People's examples affect us. Nikki, you had a scripture you used in the, in the introduction this, um, today. Can you quickly, quickly read it? Um, it's 1 Timothy 4 verse 16 says watch your life and doctrine closely persevere in them because if you do you will save both yourself and your hearers you'll save both yourself and your hearers now Nikki didn't know what I was going to talk about watch your life closely your conduct your example because if you do you will save yourself and the people you affect can you guys see this thread I want to just go through a few more scriptures here about that Make no friendship with a man given to anger or a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself. Because this principle applies. That's in Proverbs. Galatians 5, 7. Paul speaks to them and he tells them, you were running well. He's commending a church here. A whole church, not just one person with a character. A church culture. You were running well. Who hindered you, hindered you from the truth? This persuasion... So they were getting persuaded. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch. Culture shifts can easily happen in a congregation. Easily. Example, example, example. Who you are is more important what you say. Example, a deacon. 
I had a, a deacon ask me last year, he said, I thought you'd give me more work as a, as a deacon, more deacon things to do, you know? I was, okay. He said, what's this thing I must do to be a good deacon? And I said, just be a good deacon. You are a deacon, be a good deacon. Not go and do this or go and do that. Yes, there's that. Because you are a deacon, you'll go and do that. But just be a good one. So that when people ask you, how are you doing? That you will overflow with joy. That people will see your sources in Jesus. That, that people see you finding your strength in the, in the word. That you're, you have the right kingdom values. That's being a good deacon. Being a good, good deacon is not, okay, I'm on the tea-making team and we will make the best tea. That's a good fruit of being a good deacon. Okay? It's a very good thing to do. But that's not what we're asking. Just be a good deacon. Be a good example. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Set the believers an example in speech, conduct, faith, love, purity. It's about being a good example in everything, basically. Everything. It's like... Psalm 69 says, Zeal for your house consumes me. How's that? David says that. I wanted to share it earlier in the worship. Zeal for your house consumes me. What did David do? You know, everything he did. Because he had a zealous heart for his church. Do we all have that? Or are you waiting for the leaders to get excited about stuff and then, okay, we'll get excited about it. Or the 412 event to get hyped up and then, okay, everybody's doing it. I'll come and do it as well. No, what, what's your zeal? What is God showing you? And, and run for that thing, man. If you are a leader here, think, why am I a leader? What's it about me that is good for others? Should you be a leader? I'm not saying anybody here shouldn't, but it's a good question to ask every now and again. Why am I a leader? Should I be a leader? Because leaders multiply who they are. That's why I was so worried when Andrew asked me to lead this. Seriously, I'm not kidding. It's, you multiply who you are. So if the leadership team wants to appoint new leaders, what question do they ask? Say people talk about Emily. And they, and they say, okay, Emily, she's really rising. She's really being faithful. We think she's a young leader. Then the next question we'll ask is, do we want more Emilys? That's the question guys ask. Do we, do we want more people that are good examples? Yes, the leaders. That's what we're looking for. So you can check yourself. I don't want to go too much into, into the rest of this. This 412 event is a good, a good example of an opportunity to be a good example. It's just one of them. And you can check with yourself, like, what are you, where am I a good example, where am I not? And with the people you're accountable to, ask them. What do you see in me that is a good example and what is not such a good example? Where can I, where can I improve? Because we all can, all the time. Even just in being accountable. So if you don't know who to ask, that's an example you need to polish up on. Right now, if you can think about it, there's nobody I'm accountable to. Nobody that can speak into my life. Nobody that knows me well enough. Something to change. Intimacy with Jesus is a great one. 
If you can have a good example of intimacy with Jesus, you will draw others into that. To rely on Him as a source. Not our abilities, not our ideas, our anointings, our giftings, but relying on Him. If we are people that will do that, Psalm 21, 21 says, My strength comes from the Lord. Zechariah 4, verse 6, Not by might, not by, my, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Are we people that do that? Because if we are people that rely on, on Jesus for our strength, on the Lord for our strength, this place will, be, will explode. Imagine, that the, imagine everybody coming in here solely trusting Jesus. If we do that, if we live more and more out of him, others will catch it because we are contagious. People coming in through these doors will catch it and go, wow, there's not much of you guys here. There's just Jesus here. I want to be part of that. But if it's all us, it might as well be a club. And I'm not called to do that. And we might find that we've, we've had bad examples. Could be. Our parents, people that we look up to, they could have been bad examples. People that are divorced, people with, if you've grown up in a house full of fear and anxiety, you'll be prone to that. There's a predisposition to that. I'm not talking about generational curses, but chances are you're going to wrestle with fear. So we can stand with you in that. I mean, we have, I have lots of examples here. Apathy, compromise, lack of devotion. If you've grown up like that, it will affect you. And it might be that here, tonight, you become, you're becoming aware of the Spirit is saying, well, this thing, there's this thing, apathy or non-committing or I don't know what. That Lord is highlighting that. It's not your fault. It's just the world. It's just the world. Like Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. It wasn't their fault as such. It was just a character crack that goes down. And we're all people. Cracks have come down, and that's okay. So we know what to look out for. We don't have to be subject to it. We're not victims of it. You know it's there, and you can, and you can deal with it. Looking back enables us to identify what to focus on and then to recognize things that may come at us, like fear, like some kind of temptation, then you can address it. Not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit. Nikki, what do you want to do?